Good morning. Uh, I'm John Walker, and uh, today's reading is from a talk by Bishop Desmond Tutu on forgiveness. To forgive is not just to be altruistic. It is the best form of self-interest. It is also a process that does not exclude hatred and anger. These emotions are all part of being human. You should never hate yourself for hating others who do terrible things. The depth of your love is shown by the extent of your anger. However, when I talk of forgiveness, I mean the belief that you can come out the other side a better person. A better person than the one being consumed by anger and hatred. Remaining in that state locks you in a state of victimhood, making you almost dependent on the perpetrator. If you can find it in yourself to forgive, then you are no longer chained to the perpetrator. You can move on, and you can even help the perpetrator to become a better person, too. But the process of forgiveness also requires acknowledgement on the part of the perpetrator that they have committed an offense. I don't like to talk about my own personal experience or forgiveness, although some of the things people have tried to do to my family are close to what I'd consider unforgivable. I don't talk about these things because I have witnessed so many incredible people who, despite experiencing atrocity and tragedy, have come to a point in their lives where they are able to forgive. Take the Craddock Four, for example. The police ambushed their car, killed them in the most gruesome manner, set their car alight. When at a TRC hearing, the teenage daughter of one of the victims was asked, would you be able to forgive the people who did this to you and your family? She answered, we would like to forgive. We would just like to know who to forgive. How fantastic to see this young girl still human despite all efforts to dehumanize her. Good morning. I'd like to thank um, Gay Walker and Dirk Hamilton for their hospitality and kind of guiding me through the week leading up to this morning. And also, John, thank you for those words. It's um, It's great to hear from Desmond Tutu and and his reflections as a way into this because his writings along with other writings were very influential as I started to investigate and get involved with what has become a really favorite topic of mine, which is forgiveness. About eight years ago, I started studying and practicing forgiveness in earnest. Um, And you know when you do that, you get kind of sucked down a rabbit hole, you know? And you just read book after book and article after article and, and you have conversations with anyone who will listen and learn all you can about it. And so also spend time in periods of <clears throat> writing and reflection, kind of making sense of the, all the different aspects of come, that come to you. And forgiveness is one of those that has a lot of different aspects because in addition to just personal experience, you run into a lot of religious imperatives that come in out of faith traditions, moral codes that come out of cultural and other practices. And so it gets to be quite, quite a thing. But I came out of a lot of that with two 
clear understandings that guided me and propelled me forward in this. And the first was that forgiveness would be something that was going to be important to me for the rest of my life. You know, it had just sunk roots down in and I knew it was going to stay with me. And secondly, forgive that I came to the realization and agreement with some of those that I'd read that anyone can forgive and anything can be forgiven with no exceptions. Anyone can forgive and anything can be forgiven. Now that's not to say that everyone is prepared to forgive and certainly doesn't forgive or have to forgive in the same way. It's just simply to acknowledge that we have the capacity to forgive. And in the reading there with uh, Desmond Tutu was to say, you know, I might not be at this place, but I've witnessed others who've done this. And it's this kind of exploring this capacity to forgive that we want to spend time with this morning. But first, why forgiveness? Why, is, why forgiveness and not compassion? Why forgiveness and not spiritual growth or something like that? Well, for me, forgiveness was, was an intriguing and grabbing and, and drawing thing because it seemed like this stew pot, if you will, full of all of this stuff. Um, so when an experience led me into this place, uh, it had compassion and bitterness and love and anger and sadness and joy all in there in, in different parts depending on what experience drew me in there. And so it was not only a place where all this came together, but it was also a place that asked me the question, how will you move on from this place? Because you're not going to stay there. It reminds me of the roundabouts. You ever found yourself in a roundabout out there? Now, Kalamazoo has a few of these right now, right? These little ones that, they're, they're weeny little roundabouts. I mean, you know, almost too small. I'm talking about roundabouts in the big cities, right? Four or five lanes deep, eight or nine different roads coming into these things. And you drive into one of these roundabouts and and it's crazy. Cars are moving in and out. They're going really fast. And you just, you're just not sure how you're going to get out of here. And until you can find a way to kind of calm yourself, to be in that space, to take stock of where you are and where you're going, and then to thoughtfully select, there's my path, I'll move on this way. It's going to be kind of a, a crazy experience. So forgiveness is that place that brings us together in that way. And I'm going to take this out of my coat because my coat is just pulling that thing around. Uh, there we go. It, forgiveness is one of those things that takes us into a place where we get away from making rash reactions like this tick, 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 and gives us a place and a space to make thoughtful response to the life, events, and people we interact with. So that's why forgiveness. But why season of forgiveness? Well, in 2008, I got a hankering to do a, a community project around forgiveness, like a, a community-wide discussion and immersion in forgiveness. And it was kind of prompted by some things at work. And so we uh, started the conversation, and I got connected with Fetzer Institute and their campaign for love and forgiveness, and WGVU that was involved with that campaign as one of their PBS affiliates in that uh, project. And then also, you know, well, you need to talk to this person. And I'd talk to them, and they'd say, oh, that's great, I want to be involved. You need to talk to this person. And we started doing that. 
And after a while, we had this uh, steering committee together. We had this 10-week project all mapped out and absolutely no budget. So, so what we did is we just kind of used forgiveness as a theme that overlaid a number of different things. So we had uh, Kalamazoo Symphony concerts. We had Martin Luther King Jr. celebrations, the Isaac Banquet. Um, WGVU and Fetzer Institute each brought in a speaker from out of town to not only do work with them, but also shared them with the, the season of forgiveness. We got free advertising on billboards, and it just kind of came off pretty well. And it was fun. It brought folks together in a new way. So when this project was wrapping up, I asked the steering committee, I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm kind of interested in keeping this going. Do you mind if I carry this forward? They said, no, go ahead, do that. So we had a website together and a small email list, and that's where I started then continuing um, sending out emails every week on my reflections on forgiveness, and I've carried that forward to today. But as I carried this forward, I realized, you know, Forgiveness is, again, this kind of roundabout stew pot of all of these different emotions and philosophies and moral codes. That's just enough to scare people away, right? It's a very complex type of thing. So if we're going to move forward to encourage and equip people to live happier, healthier, more productive lives, we've got to make this thing easier to access. We've got to find a way to make forgiveness somewhat inviting and not simplistic, but certainly easier to grasp so that as you get through the doorway, you let your own personal complexity add the kind of color and nuance that it's going to do. So the first step in that was to look at definitions of forgiveness. And so, like I said, I'd read a number of books and articles, and most of those written by university types, by the way, you may know the types, researchers and professors. They like to kind of analyze and define things. And so if you read 10 books, you had 10 different definitions. All of them were fairly long, used large words, and had about three dozen semicolons. <laughs> so that was not going to do. So what I had to do is kind of look at all of these different things and let them distill down into what is the essence of this thing called forgiveness. And what I came up with from that was understanding and acceptance. Understanding and acceptance. Now this isn't any great insight. As I looked further, I found, oh, well, this writer calls it grieving and letting go. That's from another journal called the Oprah Magazine. Um, anyway, um, person had attended a workshop, but it's grieving and letting go. And then there's uh, another person who calls it um, acknowledging the pain and releasing the resentment. But it's the same kind of two-step process. And so my thought was then how to um, move this forward. And, and as I started presenting it, it still was somewhat stilted. So I found, what's a good colloquial way of presenting this? And I thought, oh yes, sport fishing. Now, all qualifications, I am not a fisher person. I've put a worm on a hook and that's about as far as it's gone. But I've seen it on television, so I feel like I know a lot about it. <laughs> and what it basically does is you have fish out there and you try to catch them and reel them in. And this was a great image for me because a lot of times, if you see someone who's dealing with a grudge, you know, something they're hanging on to, something that triggers the anger right away, there's a phrase that will often come out, which is, can you believe it? 
I just, I just couldn't believe that someone would do this thing. And sometimes you get the finger going, you know? I just can't believe that that would happen. And what it is, is we're using a lot of energy to keep these things outside of our experience. We're not letting them come in. We're pushing them away. And that takes a lot of energy, takes a lot of time. And when things associate and trigger it up, we just kind of explode for no good reason. So the first step is to, is to understand and bring, welcome these things in. It's to catch that fish and reel it in. And again, what I've seen them do is they bring this fish up and they hold it. And they feel the density of that fish. And then they, they admire it. You know, they look at the fins and the scales, I guess, and look at its mouth, things like that. They measure it and they weigh it. And then they get a picture taken with it. And they get to know this thing, how it's the same as other fish of its species, but how it's unique in and of itself. And once they get to know it, and it's a little less scary, then they unhook it and put it back in the water and let it swim away. And that's, in a sense, this two-step process of forgiveness. It's welcoming in the experience. And if it's been a long-time experience, it's in, in all of its pain and hurt and original trauma and, and embracing that experience. Because, you know, while it's out there, it really looks bigger than it is once you get it in here. And you take that in and embrace it and welcome it and get to know it and get to see how you're responding to it. And after a while it becomes something that we can start to set down and eventually let go. And that weight lifts off your shoulders. Or if you want to think about it, another aspect of that, it's something that we understand and then accept and take on as part of our lived experience and learned experience and assume and take in the wisdom of that experience. Both, kind of, both avenues are at play there. And I've seen this work in a number of different settings. I have, um, through author visits and, and other kinds of conventions and, and meetings and things, I've talked to individuals who've suffered through genocide, the, the murder of a child, um, rape and domestic abuse, uh, a bad roommate situation, and a bad customer service situation. And all of them have been able to forgive. Now, you might say, well, what's genocide to bad customer service situation? Yeah, yeah. One of the authors that's been a leading voice in this, Fred Luskin from Stanford University, who's actually part of our season of forgiveness, thanks to Fetzer Institute, but he said, don't get hung up on content. It's really, you know, what's, what's going to be a bad thing to me is not going to be as bad to you. What's going to be bad to you is not going to be as bad to you. It's really about how it affects us and our history and the associations we have with it. So what might be a terrible thing that I cling on to for decades, like I didn't get my chicken wings with my order, which is a true story, by the way. <laughs> not mine. But, uh, <laughs> and when he recounted that story, fists would clench and face would get angry and it would, he would kind of explode and get the finger going kind of thing um, around chicken wings. And then you have someone whose son is murdered while delivering a pizza, while just doing his job. And the dad, of course, who hears about that the next morning, his only son murdered, um, 
is, of course, grieving for months. But within days, he comes out and says, but I recognize there's victims at both ends of the gun. And I was able to forgive the young shooter for doing what he did. So how do we develop that space, that capacity to do this? In the case of the person, by the way, in terms of this two-step understanding and acceptance, recognition and releasing. Um, the person whose son was murdered, Azim Kamisa, who's written a few books about it and spoken quite a bit, he added one more step to this. It's not just understanding and acceptance, which will get you there, but then to kind of take it one step further is reaching out. Because after his son was murdered, after he forgave the killer, a few months later he reached out to the killer's guardian and grandfather, named the killer was Tony, and his grandfather was Ples Felix, is Ples Felix. And he reached out to him and said, you know, I don't want other kids to end up like my son and your grandson. So I want to go into middle, high, and high schools and tell our story and tell them that they can make better decisions, but I need your help. And he was more than happy to help. And so they've gone into schools, and the person will introduce them and say, this man's grandson shot and killed this man's son. And then they will tell their story and encourage these kids to make better decisions. Count to ten. You know, make better decisions in their lives. And to date, they've talked to over two million children around the country in the last 20 years. But that reaching out, what that does is it, it's, it's an opportunity to take that wisdom that we've gained and share it. It's a redemptive act that kind of seals in that act of forgiveness, but also continues the learning and growing that we do and the deepening of that experience as we get to know other people and learn their stories and move on to there. So that's great. Understanding and acceptance reaching out. So how do we get there? I mean, we're not going to have a chance to practice this every day. We're not going to get betrayed or beaten up or something like that every day, right? I hope not. So how is it that we learn the skill and open up the space to find forgiveness? Well, I turn to other places where you learn skill, like sports, okay? It's almost March. March Madness is coming up. Let's look at basketball. What do you do in basketball? You get the team together and you play a basketball game. Well, when you go to practice, you might do a scrimmage like a simulation, but most days when you go to practice every single day, you aren't playing a game. What are you doing? You're working on fundamentals, right? Passing and dribbling and shooting, maybe a little maneuvering, that kind of thing. But you work on these fundamentals each and every day so that when you go in the game, that you can more appropriately and thoughtfully respond to the people and events that are coming at you. So the question is, if we want to practice forgiveness on a daily basis, what are those fundamentals of forgiveness that we can practice? So spend some time with that, discerning and studying and things like this, and come back to the, the same kind of uh, standard operating procedure of season of forgiveness, that it has to be easy to understand and not become a, a barrier to moving forward. So it had to be a concept. These fundamentals of forgiveness have to be concepts that when you hear them, you go, oh yeah, I know what that is. I can do that. And so you don't get hung up on the concept and you don't ask yourself, well, am I doing this right? You know, 
Do I have the technique down? We don't want to get hung up on that either. Because if we're going to improve our lives, we have to change our behavior. And that's challenge enough. Breaking habits, starting new habits. So I whittled it down to three. There's more, I'm sure, but these three have have been beneficial. And that is gratitude, kindness, and generosity. You already know what those are, right? Gratitude is an attitude of thanking. Being thankful for what we have, being thankful for what occurs during a day. You know, no one signed a contract saying our life was going to be just great every single day. There would be disappointments. There would be grieving. And so we open ourselves and are grateful for opportunities to learn and grow as we go through our life. It's an, it's an expression of humility. It's an expression that, you know, we can't control everything. Uh, someday we just have to play the cards we're dealt and make the best of it and do that in a way that's um, recognizing that we're not fully in control and to be grateful for that. That's gratitude. Kindness is simply being, uh, doing, uh, respecting all those whom you meet. Doing little kindnesses like manners, like saying please and thank you and you're welcome. Little acts of kindness, opening a door, picking up something that somebody dropped, a little favor that they're not expecting, this kind of thing. It's an expression of equality, that we're all in this together, that we, regardless of our station, economic status, what have you, we're all in the same place when it comes to making our way through this life. And third is generosity. Not so much generosity of donating money, but generosity of our time and energy. So that when we're sitting across from somebody, we're giving them our undivided attention, which in this day and age is a great, great gift. So it's, a, it's an expression of mutuality, that we reap what we sow, that if we engage this person across from us and support them in their relationship and their concerns, that we'll get that back in turn from them or from someone else. And we'll be able to grow in this. And these are things that, um, as I've done workshops and talks and discussions around forgiveness, that I've heard attested to by folks who've found ways of building these practices into their lives. For example, um, uh, in gratitude journals, some of you have done this, where at, the, at dinner or maybe the end of the evening um, before you go to bed, you just write down three or four things that you're grateful for for that day. We had a woman in our, uh, one of our workshops who said she had done that for a year, every day for a year, and it had totally transformed her life, how she approached just everything, work, family, community, involvements and all. Um, acts of kindness. A lot of times we do this. You know, we exercise good manners, we hold the door open, but if we're doing that intentionally with just a little more awareness, it can add to the, just that opening and developing of that space within us to... Um, create a, a forgiving place. And same with generosity. If we're sitting with someone and they're telling us and we're, we're, they're telling us about something that's kind of on their mind and we're tempted to kind of watch the TV or something or we feel the phone buzz in our pocket, we can intentionally let that go and not try to maybe fix the person in front of us but simply ask questions to help draw them out and help them explore their own personal wisdom for the concern that's on their mind. These are things that people have done day in and day out that we can do that are practicing forgiveness, that not only add a vitality to our life that particular day, but also start to create 
in a calm, open space. So when, inevitably, that big hit comes, regardless if it's what it is, whatever sets you off in that time, that you're in a better place to receive that, to deal with that, and then to select how you're going to move on. So an appropriate question at this point would probably be, so what? Okay, that's a nice construct. It's a nice little um, set of exercises. But what difference does it really make? Well, let me close here with a brief explanation of how it's impacted my life. Um, In the early 2000s, first five years or so of of this century, um, I had headache about every other day, stress-related headache. Often had stomach cramps, again, stress cramps, and things got really bad. My wife would catch me doing this. She'd go, what's going on? It's like, ah, just a tightness, tightness in my chest. Worry signals go up, right? And in fact, on two occasions, I went to the emergency room with this going on only to find, of course, that I was fine. It was just muscle tightness. It was stress-related muscle tightness. I found that, um, I remember telling a friend when we were talking about different things, it's like, you know, I'm just, I'm just angry. And I was, I was angry, but I wasn't angry at anything in particular. And I was gaining weight more and more every year. Well, when I started investigating and incorporating practices of forgiveness, it opened me up to not only understand and accept those I blamed for hurting me, but also allowed me to accept myself just as I was every single day. And these practices motivated me to get on a path to healing and wholeness. And today, I might get annoyed, I might get frustrated, I might get disappointed, but I rarely get angry. And if I do find that I'm driving, usually by myself, somebody does something and I bark out at them, then I just start laughing at myself. It's like, oh, you think you're into forgiveness. (laughs) That kind of thing. (laughs) But I've lost weight, and I feel lighter spiritually. I haven't had chest pains, stomach upset, or a stress-related headache in years. Basically, I'm a happy guy. And I'm reaching out in this way, through season of forgiveness, because I hope the same for you.